Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, as usual, Jeff, joining me from the international wing of our recording studios up in Seattle, is fresh off of a Mariner's win today, is my co-host, as usual, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, welcome. Boy, it's good to be here, Jeff. I did. I, I enjoyed that game today. Um, a lot of fun. We we actually beat Shane Bieber, which I did not expect to happen, but uh, that was pretty fun and uh, got a lot of baseball in today. I watched something early in the morning and uh, now we're going to talk baseball for the evening. So let's do this thing. All right. Yeah, let's do it. We got a lot to talk about. We've got uh, a topic today. We're going to talk about some trades. And uh, before we do that, though, we're going to get into our BP segment. We're going to go over some debuts, some trivia and just some other stuff that we've got. So let's get right uh, right into it. Uh, first of all, if you haven't uh, if you haven't followed our, our Twitter feed, I posted a new guess that game video on on our YouTube channel this week where we just take a picture and uh, we try to figure out when exactly that game took place and what inning and all that kind of stuff. And one of the clues in this uh, video that is up there right now, and you can find it in the show notes, by the way, was uh, Jacoby Ellsbury. So I had to look up Jacoby Ellsbury. Do you know what his nickname is? I don't. <laughs> well, I didn't either. Uh, apparently, he uh, one of his nicknames is Tacoby Bellsbury. okay i mean okay so tacoby bellsbury is very close to taco bell so i'm wondering i remember there was somebody some baseball player that used to just shove like a whole bunch of taco bell in their face as like their pregame ritual was it jacoby ellsbury i wonder Man, I don't know who it was. I remember reading that, though, and be like, oh, that sounds real healthy. Yeah. I'll give you a charge and <laughs> innings one and two, and then you're going to take a nap. Yeah. Um, but but I don't remember who it was, no. Yeah, because looking at this, when you say the, the nickname, it doesn't it didn't strike me as much as when I'm staring at it. And it's Taco and Bell are the first part of, of, of you know, Tacoby <laughs> Bellsbury. So it's Taco Bell. Bell in there. So I'm thinking he's a fan a Taco Bell, regardless of whether that was him or not. Yeah, it's either that or he was in school and a couple of his drunk buddies came up with it. Uh, <laughs> and it know. just stuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. I saw something. I was watching a Mets game and I saw this on the um, on Paul Lucas's UniWatch Twitter feed. Albert Almora of the Mets. So, you know, every team's jerseys, they're buttoned down jerseys. There are, there's, I don't think, uh, maybe the Rangers, like Sunday blue home jersey is a pullover. I don't, I don't think it is. I think everybody's are, are button downs. Uh, Albert Almora actually has his sewn closed so that he can't unbutton it. He has to pull it over his head like it's a pullover, which I thought was interesting. Okay. It's 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 tighter. I, he said it, the whole reason he does is because it fits better. I know we've posted on our Twitter feed a couple of shots of Bo Bichette because he is just wearing some what looks like yoga pants. Like they're just mm-hmm. there's no secrets for Bo Bichette from the waist down. And uh, somebody else I saw got some some discussion going with a. I don't remember who it was, but somebody else was wearing their jersey real tight. And I've been watching I've been watching a good bit of the NPB this year again in, you know, the Japanese league. 
and a little bit of the Korean and, and the Taiwanese league. And the style there is for like Manny Ramirez jerseys. You know how Manny would wear his jersey looked like pajamas. They were like eight sizes too yeah, big. Exactly like pajamas. Yes, yeah. that's how I would describe. Yeah. Well, that is definitely the style in in Asia right now. So to contradict it with what's it looks like the the trend right now in in in, in major league baseball for these younger players is the tighter, more form fitting. So. Keep an eye on that. We'll see if if that comes back. Because I mean that when we were when we first got interested in baseball, that was it, right? It was you had tight, everything was tight. You had your your pants only yeah. went to your shin, so you could show some stirrup and so forth. But it was still tight. But then it. Yeah, my my mom found a picture the other day. I don't know if I'm going to share it with anybody, but of me in those days dressed up to play ball. And one, I'm a lot smaller. And two, yeah, it's all form fitting type ish kind of yeah. stuff. Oh, that's, that's the way I wore it. All right. Let's, uh, I want to talk about the Rockies really quick here. The Rockies, man. So I have a soft spot in my heart for the Rockies. They were the, the closest major league team to me when I was growing up in Salt Lake. Uh, I, you know, obviously an, an A's fan, but I, I had a soft spot for them. Uh, I've always loved their uniforms. I like the, I like their purple, their shade of purple. I like, I love Coors Field. I like watching games there. I enjoyed the heck out of it also when they when they played at Old Mile High for the first couple of seasons because that was just, mm-hmm. that was a weird place to play baseball. It was definitely a, a unique experience to watch a ball game there you know, the first couple of years. Yeah, that <laughs> the outfield was, <laughs> yeah, it was something. Uh, but it's been a rough road for Rockies fans the last couple of seasons, and it kind of came to a head this spring when Nolan Arenado was traded for not a whole lot. Well, Denver Beer Company, in case that name didn't spill it out for you, that's a craft beer company set in Denver, where coincidentally the Rockies play. It's weird how that works out. Well, they set out at the beginning of the season to raise enough money to make a serious bid to buy the Rockies. Nice. (laughs) My question is, what would they consider a serious bid? Well, (laughs) Their exactly. their answer was one billion dollars. <laughs> they set out to raise one billion dollars to buy their favorite baseball team, so that never again would they sell off their best player. Well, May first was the fundraising deadline, and after all of the press, all of the excitement, they logged onto their GoFundMe page to see a grand total that they had raised of. $6,130, just shy of their $1 billion oh, goal. That's heart wrenching right yeah. there. That's just. Yeah. Well, okay. So actually, it was $999,993,870 short, to be specific. Yeah. The Brewers, again, meaning the Denver Beer Company, not the Milwaukee Brewers, said that they would contribute the proceeds to the Colorado Restaurant Foundation's Angel Relief Fund, which helps hospitality workers who have been negatively impacted by the pandemic. So they they were short of their goal, but it looks like they're going to they're going to help out some people that need it. That's good. That that you know, it's going to go somewhere for something good and uh the timing is excellent. Yeah. Just short. I think you, just if they had one one more backer maybe. One more, you know, just a, maybe a handful short. Yeah. I, I think maybe if they'd have been a little higher ranked on the Google search index, yeah. you know, I don't know. 
probably that's rough they needed more people to know about it before it was over it <laughs> generally helps to, to raise yeah friends. yeah that's good thinking all right let's uh, let's get into our debut segment this show is dropping on may 18th now it's really weird looking at debuts here there is a gap where there was not a single major league debut at least not on the side i go to on this day from 1950 through 1974 so for 24 years apparently not a single player debuted today wow yeah i cannot explain that but and and really there was nobody of, of great significance one person that I did want to talk about, because we brought him up before, was in 1984 making his debut was Benny DiStefano. Benny DiStefano. One of great names. Yeah, it's, it's fun to say. Uh, Benny is. is the most recent left-handed throwing player to ever catch in a Major League Baseball game. Yeah. He, he appeared in three whole games behind the plate for the Pirates in 1989. He didn't catch much. But, uh, you know, so I was watching, while I was putting these together, I was watching a, a baseball game. And, I mean, is the only reason that that's so odd is because a majority of batters are right-handed, so you would be throwing with the hand closest to the batter? Is that the logic here? I mean, I, I imagine there are different reasons uh, scattered throughout the baseball universe. Because, it, I mean, if there's a righty on the mound, you you might have a team that puts out four or five left-handed batters or maybe more what i mm-hmm. i i guess i'm i assume that that is it that that's the reason but it also seems like you're automatically disqualifying anybody if they throw left-handed to ever put them behind the plate where they could be one of the greatest catchers of all time is it's yeah. puzzling to me you want you want to know my uh, my reasoning for there being few left-handed catchers what there, there just aren't enough left-handed catchers mitts <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They just don't. If they made more, there might there would be, be more left-handed catchers. Yeah, <laughs> I'm serious. I, <laughs> come on, let's get them out there, folks. They don't have to be bargains. You know, but, I mean, let's give these lefties a chance. Uh, De Stefano in 1992, David Cohn of the Mets had a no-hitter going into the eighth inning when our boy Benny broke it up with an infield hit that he beat out with his catcher speed. Benny also played first and some corner outfield. The majority of it of his playing time was at first in the corner outfield sure. spots. Didn't play a whole lot of catcher, but he was there, and that was the last left-handed catcher to play. Hmm. All right, trivia. Now, I'm not excited about this. Um, uh, I'm, I'm really not excited about reviewing last week's question. The question that I asked last week was, who was the last player to play for all five teams located in my home state of California? Now, we got several people that responded, and people were diligently working away trying to figure out what the answer to this was. Now, I I am embarrassed. I have had a very rough uh, last week or so, personally, uh, dealing with with some stuff, uh, personal stuff. And (laughs) I read the question wrong. (laughs) And uh, our, our great listeners are just 
putting the work in, their noses to the grindstone, they're doing their research, they're looking through books, they're at the library with stacks of books, you know, until like the, the they're the yeah. last people in the library, the only light on and, you know, they're yeah, working, they're working really hard and uh, there is no answer. There is no answer. Not a single player has played for all five teams in California. <laughs> well, let's just kind of go over it real quick here. I believe you said, who was it? Uh, and that could actually, you're saying in the past, all we have to change is, who is it? Because it could be someone in the future. And you can get that. <laughs> well, just, we won't release this show until somebody does it. Um, <laughs> so, because I, I, I even said the last person to do it was Steve Finley. There's been, pro uh, let's see, looking at here, there's been like 10 players that have done this that have played for four of the five, but nobody has played for all five. So I'm going to take a big L on this and I apologize. I <laughs> apparently wasted a lot of people's time. And maybe there's a reason that baseball references, they've got a page where you can put in four teams and say, show me the players that have played for these four teams. Maybe there's a reason that they don't have five because <laughs> it doesn't happen for the teams in California. It's not that many. Yeah. And, okay. And one well, of the you know, answers, one of the answers, by the way, is Ricky Henderson, because he played for four of the five. The The Giants was the only team he did not play for. They sure did. I was just going to say, though, Jeff, our listeners are very forgiving, very nice and kind people. And I'm sure that they understand. Yeah. Well, I know that everybody was doing research because nobody just came right out and said, hey, kangaroo court time, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which, you know, we've we've established that our listeners do not have a problem telling us if we have screwed up they were doing their work they they trusted us mark and we've i hope we have not tarnished that trust well we've we've uh, we've now um showed them the remorse and uh, hopefully we have paid for the sins well i'm going to try to make up for it here but i'm going to i'm going to give everybody a like a bp fastball right down the middle here i'm going to be crash davis and i'm going to tell you the batter our listener exactly what's coming this is gonna be an easy one okay right. and i know that this answer is correct <laughs> <laughs> who is the only player to have won two silver slugger awards in the same season wow yeah which is kind of weird know that existed. <laughs> i didn't know that that could happen either but this is a layup it's a it's a i'm even putting it on it we're doing tea work here i'm putting it on the tea you're just hitting it off that just hit it off the tee for Yeah. It's an easy question. So hopefully that will make up for my brain fart from last week. And I apologize. Let's uh, let's let the ground crew come out and do their stuff. And let's get right into the main part of the show. So, Mark, today, I, I don't know how I got on this subject, but I found a couple of things as I was reading, as I do on the interwebs about baseball trades and some odd trades that have happened. And I know we've talked about some trades, but we, we have not talked about these trades per se. We've talked about the Dave Winfield trade. He was once traded for a dinner and then the strike happened and, and it kind of fell apart. Uh, not a bad deal, you know, a dinner. It was probably an expensive dinner, but a, you know, a dinner for a Hall of Famer. So as I was doing more reading, I found out that he doesn't even really get close to the top 10 of strange deals that have been made in baseball. So, All right. so since Winnie was a Hall of Famer, let's start with some other Cooperstown residents and 
what they have been traded for. Uh, Cy Young, uh, we've, we've, I, I think we've talked about him before. Um, if you're not familiar, uh, Cy Young Hall of Fame pitcher. <laughs> He's, uh, uh, we, we talked about him, uh, strangely enough, never won the Cy Young Award, but uh, it was named after him. A young Cy Young was uh, pitching for the Cleveland Spiders at one point. We've mentioned that. But we've never talked about how he got to Cleveland. So Cy was toiling for the Canton Nudgies. Now that is spelled N-A-D-J-Y. The Nudgies. It's a kind of horse, apparently. Oh, okay. So apparently Cy Young did not really impress the Canton Skipper. Uh, So he actually sold Cy to the Spiders for $300 and a new suit. The, the probably the, the the most important thing there for the manager was probably the new suit. Uh, I did look it up. That's only a couple thousand dollars today through inflation. Yeah. So not a bad deal. Right. Well, you know what? Uh, Cy was a one of a kind and one of a kind trade makes sense. Yeah. Well, it was probably a made to order suit. So the suit was probably one of a kind. Yeah. Too. And let's not forget, we've had someone on our show who had a conversation with Sam. I know. (laughs) (laughs) We can now play the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon game with Cy Young and do it in one degree. Hello. That's right. Uh, All right. (laughs) Next, Lefty Grove. We're sticking with pitchers. So Lefty was pitching for the Martinsburg Mountaineers in 1920. Uh, that offseason, there had been a bad storm in Martinsburg, and it destroyed the outfield fence. So when the Orioles came asking about Lefty, they said, hey, we will sell you his contract for $3,500. And the Orioles are like, okay, why, why that specific amount? That was how much it was going to cost to replace the outfield fence. So they essentially sold him for an outfield fence. <laughs> was it a good fence? I don't know. There's no. So get this, though. The Orioles then five years later flipped lefty to the Philadelphia A's for one hundred thousand six hundred dollars. So wow, that's, a, that's quite the profit. That is a great return. I mean, it probably would have been better to keep him. I mean, he went on to the Hall of Fame. He won 300 games <laughs> and nine ERA titles. That fence probably yeah, didn't last that long or provide that many wins. <laughs> Excellent point. Yeah. Yeah, the fence is definitely uh, history. All right. Uh, next, Tris Speaker, Hall of Fame center fielder for Boston and Cleveland. He was not very highly thought of by Boston when he first was starting out, though. In 1908, his invited to his first spring camp with the club. They made him pay his own way. So, like, listen, if you get here, I guess you can, you can train with us. But we're not paying for it. Uh, That's the, nice. I mean, at least did they feed him? You know, or do we know? No word. No word. Maybe okay, he just ate right. the leftovers. But I mean, he was considered <laughs> a minor leaguer. So if it if like if today, he yeah, be on his own. Right. Uh, at the end of spring training, they gave his contract to Little Rock's Southern Association team as payment for use of the field. So essentially, they rented him out to pay for the field that they had trained on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I'd have a problem with that. I... <laughs> that seems pretty pretty harsh. Uh, there was a stipulation, though. They said that if Speaker developed, they had the right to repurchase him for five hundred dollars 
which they obviously did. And he yeah. went on fame and glory with, with them in Cleveland. Yeah. Like, hey, we'll give you this guy. Thanks for letting you choose your field. <laughs> uh, let's see. We've made reference before of wanting to trade somebody for a couple of bats and some balls. Usually that's, yeah. that's kind of an insult, right? If I'd be happy to, yeah, it's, somebody it's gave a us joke. a bag of balls for him. Well, it's happened right. and it's apparently happened a couple of times. So the Calgary Vipers, who are an independent team in, you guessed it, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, signed pitcher John Odom. Well, one problem with that, due to a felony charge, Odom wasn't able to cross the border into Canada. So he couldn't enter the country with the team that he was supposed to play. The Vipers traded him to the Laredo Broncos in exchange for 10 maple bats. Wow. At least he got 10. Yeah. Well, I mean, maple bats are good. They're pretty strong, but still only 10. The Vipers intended to auction the bats off to raise funds for their Snakes and Batters charity fund. However, they instead sold the bats to Ripley's Believe It or Not for $10,000, which is probably more than they would have made uh, if they would have just auctioned it off in Calgary for a minor league independent club. Odom was referred to as Batman in Laredo, and they played the Batman TV theme when he took them out. So next, Carrie Lightenberg. Do you do you remember the name Carrie Lightenberg? I do. Uh, sounds familiar for some reason. Yeah, so I'm very familiar with Carrie Lightenberg. He was a reliever for the Braves in the late 90s, early 2000s, right when I was in oh, Atlanta. Okay. Gotcha. So. Leitenberg was pitching for the Minneapolis Loons of the Independent Prairie League, and he was one class away from earning a degree from the University of Minnesota and completely giving up on baseball. He was just going to go, and he got his degree. He was going to go in and get a job. Atlanta uh, spoke to Loons manager and former Atlanta catcher Greg, that's with only one G, Olson. Uh, he called the team and told them about Leitenberg. Uh, Olsen was also helping run this independent team, so he was very practical about what he wanted to receive in return for Leitenberg. He got 12 dozen baseballs and two dozen bats, so Leitenberg a lot better than the aforementioned John Odom, apparently. Uh, Leitenberg, though, yeah, quite a bit. Leitenberg went on for an... uh, He had an eight-year career in the big leagues, so... Not bad for for a 12 dozen baseballs and two dozen bats. Traded for some equipment, and he did all right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I seem to remember he was their setup guy and maybe even their closer for a short time. I don't know if it was during the rocker era or, or somebody was hurt. Right. But I remember he was a pretty reliable guy for quite a while there for Atlanta. Next, uh, Keith Comstock. We have mentioned Keith's very iconic minor league card uh, that he took when he was with the Las Vegas. Uh, uh, I think they were, I don't think they were the 51s at that point. stars at the time. Exactly. There you go. The Las Vegas stars uh, in the A's minor league system where he is taking a shot. It's really a cup check uh, in, in, in baseball card form. <laughs> well, in the spring of 1983, the Tigers showed some interest in him and they offered the A's a whole $100. Well, wow. the A's didn't bite. They're like, no, not enough. So the Tigers sweetened the deal by throwing in a bag of baseballs. And the A's were like, and, yes, that is. And that, <laughs> you pick. 
I like it. Well, you know, you got to know who you're dealing with. You got to know their their, uh, weaknesses. As a franchise, we need more than $100. We need a bag of balls and a deal. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. Uh, another odd trade that has happened more than once was a player being traded for themselves. So how does this happen, you ask? Well, the infamous uh, player to be named later has several times been the same player who was originally traded. Uh, some of these players, uh, John McDonald, Dickie Knowles, and Harry Chitty. You got to say that one carefully. Chitty? Chitty. Uh, well, this still happens. Recently... Jerry DePoto traded for Wade LeBlanc in 2016 for a player to be named later who ended up being Wade LeBlanc. That's awesome. Yeah. He just handed him right back. Um, We mentioned the Winfield trade earlier. Uh, It's not the only player for food deal that has taken place before. Len Dendero in 1930 was traded from San Antonio to Dallas for a dozen donuts. Now, that, know, that to me is a little bit worse than a dozen bats or some balls. Just yeah, that's, that's not cool. No. You can't do that to somebody. Well, the, the Dallas owners owned a very famous bakery. So these donuts were apparently in demand, but still, that's rough to be traded it's for some, donuts. Yeah. I guess donut holes would be worse because those are less, but it just said donuts. So I'm going to maybe yeah. bear claws were included. I don't know. Hey, if you got lucky, there was a butterhorn or two. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Also, Joe Martina was traded in 1921 from Dallas. This this Dallas club seems to (laughs) really like to make trades for food. Uh, He was traded from (laughs) Dallas to New Orleans for two barrels of oysters. (laughs) Two barrels. Now, I don't know what metric is typically used to measure volumes of oysters, but two barrels seems like a lot to me. Like I, this Joe Martinez seems much more valuable to me than Len Dendera does because two barrels of oysters seems like a heck of a lot more than a dozen donuts. Yeah. I I would, uh, I would think it'd be a lot harder to find the oysters (laughs) than to cook a couple donuts. Well, you brought up a good point when I mentioned this earlier too. You said, are these Atlantic or Pacific oysters? Because Pacific oysters are 1000% better. Than Atlantic oysters. Yeah, this is taking place in the near the Gulf of Mexico. So I'm assuming that these are our Atlantic oysters. So smaller and not as good. So I don't know. Maybe though, maybe the donuts were a better deal. I don't know. Do you eat oysters, Jeff? I love oysters. Yes. Wow. That makes one of us. I I can't do it. We can't. We, you know, in Seattle, there's a ton of great fresh oyster places. We haven't found yeah, they're everywhere. a great one here in the Bay Area. But, yo, oh yeah, I love oysters. Kumimoto's. Mm. Mm. All right. The Chattanooga Lookouts once traded shortstop Johnny Jones to Charlotte for a 25-pound turkey. Sorry, these are all making me laugh. Yeah. Um, Do you like turkey? <laughs> I love turkey. Well, that makes one of us. <laughs> I, I do not eat turkey. I do not like turkey. Uh, 25 pounds of turkey, though. Uh, Lookout's owner Joe Engel pronounced Charlotte, though, the winner of the deal after cooking the turkey and pronouncing it as being too tough. (laughs) These food trades are still happening, believe it or not. 
uh, I don't know. I mean, the latest one I found was 1998, but I'm going to consider that still happening. The Pacific Suns, and I don't know what league that was or is, uh, traded Ken Cranenbuehl to the Greensville Bluemen for a player, cash, and 10 pounds of Mississippi catfish. Mmm, catfish. Well, you know, kind of now you're playing my tune here. Really? Catfish has no flavor. They're bottom feeders. It's, it's I'm how a, you cook it. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Again, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not on board with this one. Give me the <laughs> barrels of oysters, please. If anybody yeah. wants to send me a barrel of oysters, you go for it. I'm down Pacific, not Atlantic. But uh, don't send me turkey or catfish, please. I will not trade for that. Uh, this last uh, one was an odd one. In uh, 1948, Dodgers broadcaster Red Barber was rushed to the hospital. Well, the Dodgers are the Dodgers. The Brooklyn Dodgers have got to have somebody to call their games on the radio. So Branch Rickey called the Atlanta Crackers and he talked to the president, Earl Mann, and said, we need an announcer. Mann told him, hey, I need a catcher. So... <laughs> the Dodgers got Hall of Fame announcer Ernie Harwell. The Crackers wow. sent him, and they received uh, minor league catcher Cliff Dapper. No word on if he was a good dresser or not. But Cliff Dapper was traded for Ernie Harwell. After spending a year with the Dodgers, he became the number two announcer with the Crosstown New York Giants. To replace Harwell, the Dodgers hired a young ginger by the name of Vin Scully. Uh, I thought that was interesting, trading a, a, a player for an announcer. I saw a couple of other, the, uh, two teams tried to trade managers at one point, but that was that was ex-nade by, by the uh, commissioner as a, a stunt, and it did not go through. Was that uh, Joe Gordon and Jimmy Dykes? Yes. Oh, look at that. Very good. <laughs> no, that's a funny story because they what they originally wanted to do was trade the entire team. Yep. <laughs> they were gonna here. Here's Detroit. You can have all my players, and then Cleveland gets all those. And then, but instead, they said, "Well, we'll just switch managers instead." But much easier than trading and you know sending 25 guys looking for new homes. Is it like that? You know, hey, this guy's he's got all the talent in the world, but he's just toiling here. He's not doing well. Maybe he just needs a change of scenery. They just thought that was the the thing for the whole team. So like, <laughs> uh, do you want to you want to talk about Pinella? Yeah, I, I remember um, it was a pretty big deal. You got to understand, okay, how big Lou Pinella is in the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. okay, he is revered. This man. He came to Seattle and said, "I can take your little Dvorinky Dink franchise and take him to the playoffs," and he did. And it was like, you know, like the little mouse that takes the, uh, the, the splinter out of the, the lion's paw. We could know he could do no wrong from then on. He was just our hero. And, uh, Lou got a little bit older and he wanted to move back home to the Tampa area and everybody being so understanding said, all right, Lou, you can go, but you're still under contract. So Tampa Bay ended up, ended up dealing us a center fielder, Randy Wynn for Lou Pinella. And, and Randy had a pretty Good career for us here in Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at his player transactions. And October 28, 2002, traded by the Seattle Mariners with Antonio Perez to the Devil Rays for Randy Wynn. 
it's, you know, the, Lou's history in Seattle is that he was taken in the expansion draft by the Seattle Pilots in 1968, but he was traded. I don't, he never played a game for the Pilots, but there he, he does have a baseball card of him in a Pilots uniform, though. But uh, also a big, uh, big retirement home guy. There in the Pacific yeah, Northwest. He, he likes to shill for retirement homes. I'm sure he gets paid well. <laughs> I'd do it too, darn it. And and we, I think we've mentioned this cousin of Dave Magadan. All right, so those are uh, so, those are some of the the odd trades that have taken place in baseball. I think I mean most of those the the current ones are all minor leagues, and I think you might see more of those. With the amount of teams that are now independent, you might see some more of those. Give me, uh, give me some uh, equipment, or uh, fix our fence, or give me a That's barrel true. of oysters. You might That's see true. more. You could see that. Yep, <laughs> agreed. All right, so uh, let's wrap up this part of the show and let us get ready for the most exciting uh, cardboard-based gladiatorial combat segment in podcasting. It is time for Wax Packs Hero. Wax Pack Hero! Gonna pull a Wax Pack Hero! Nice cardboard based gladiatorial. Yeah. We're, 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 Dude. This is well written. It's dangerous. This is dangerous. <laughs> what we do, you could get paper cuts. It is. You could uh, damage a, an expensive card. It's, yeah. Actually, I couldn't. No, no. <laughs> it's very dangerous for me. I'm putting my life on the Therefore, line for everybody here. Just to make it a little dangerous for me, I'm going to do this while riding a bicycle. Oh, all right, all right. Well, all right. Let's look at the scoreboard here because I'm on a bit of a roll. I've won two games in a row. But I am still just hanging on by a fingernail here. The scoreboard right now reads 19 for Mark and only 14 for me. And we're playing to 20. So one more win and you are a two-time defending champion. Um, we're going to go back uh, and, and do some more of these upper decks from 2008. Very excited uh, we do, if you are new here, we do have some rules for this. As we pull these cards, we are going to use the Baseball Reference War from the year of the cards, and uh, that being 2008. We've got a couple of extra rules, which I don't think are going to, a lot of them are going to come into play because this is 2008, but we're still using them anyway uh, for right now. If you've got a mustache, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point of war. If it's a really good one, we're going to give you two tenths of a point of war. If you're wearing glasses of any sort, flip downs, sunglasses, reading glasses, a monocle, we're going to give you an extra tenth of a point. If you're wearing a monocle, you're only going to get extra like half of a tenth of a point because you're only it's only one high. But well, I think we'll, if someone's wearing a monocle, they should uh, they should get bonus points. I mean, <laughs> well, okay, we'll play it by ear. We'll play it by ear. If we if we find a card with somebody wearing a monocle, we'll play it by ear. Mr. Okay. or the guy from Monopoly. Yes. All right. Uh, <laughs> if you are wearing a sweatband with your caricature, your jersey number, or a corporate logo, if you sold out, uh, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point of war. If you're wearing real stirrups that we can see, not, you know, I got to see sanitaries too. 
It can't just be yeah. colored sock. We're gonna give you an extra tenth of a point of war. If you're wearing two and ones though that we can see, we're gonna minus a tenth of a point of war. And if you have now taken up residence in Cooperstown and are now a Hall of Famer, we're gonna give you a whole extra full point of war. So Mark, these 2008 upper decks have some relics in it. We got our first relic last time we, we opened yeah. these. I'm holding these two and they are different thicknesses. So I think in uh -oh. one of these cards, one of these packs, there is another relic. So I'm going to let you choose whether you want the one in my left hand or my right hand. Mm, going right this time, man. I got to put this away. I've been at 19 for too long. All right. Well, the one in the right is the thinner pack. So I think okay. I've got, but remember the relic last time got me absolutely nothing. So. It was terrible. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Let's uh, let's open this up. Now, these are uh, packs of only eight. They are not the 13 through 15 of the uh, wax packs era or the, the newer ones. So let's see exactly who you got. These are some very pretty cards. All right. You got the mayor. First of all, here he is with uh, with the Boston Red Sox. Now, this is not the governor, Jerry Brown. This is the mayor. Yes, the mayor. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on it. <laughs> Sean Casey. Cincinnati, right? <laughs> Sean it. Casey, yep. Yes, he was with Cincinnati. Probably couldn't think of it. best known, I think, with Cincinnati. Uh, his Twitter handle, by the way, is at the mayor's office. I think he's on, <laughs> uh, I think he's on MLB Network as well. 2008 was his final year in the big leagues uh, in his only year with Boston appeared in 69 games. Not bad for a uh, 30, he's only 33. Not bad for his final year though. A 101 OPS plus didn't hit a home run. That's kind of odd hmm. to, for somebody. I mean, he only had double figures five out of his 12 years with, uh, yeah. with, with power, but he hit 302 lifetime. I, I always, I know he's a first big first baseman. I guess I just assume he's got power. 2008, that equals a war of absolutely zero. So, An even number. <laughs> uh, he does, however, have a mustache here. So you, you are going to get one tenth of a point of war for that. I'll uh, take that. So uh, we mentioned he's uh, nicknamed the mayor. That's because he liked to talk to everybody and anybody when he was on first base. In 2007, he won the Sports Illustrated Players Poll as the friendliest player in baseball. That's a nice award. Yeah. Uh, inducted into the Irish American Baseball Hall of Fame. Reds what? Hall of Fame. The Kinston Professional Baseball Hall of Fame. And the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. So he's a Hall of Famer. A number of Hall of Fames. Yeah. He was also, do, uh, he, was, he was suspended for three games as he was involved in the Coco Crisp James Shields brawl. That had yeah, to have been, thought, yeah, that was in two, that was in his last year here because that was his only year with the Red Sox. I thought you were going to say for talking too much because that's <laughs> what happened to me back then. <laughs> All right. Next card. You've got a Hall of Famer. Yay. You have got Larry Jones. Jones. You mean Indiana? Uh, the, the, actually, uh, the dog is Indiana. Uh, this is Larry oh. Wayne Chipper Jones. Oh, nice. Chipper. Very nice. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, 2008, he was, uh, wow, 
At age 36, he won the batting title, also led the league in on-base, received some MVP votes, had an OPS+. plus. Uh, Let's see, his highest of his career, 176. I think you're going to get a big number here. I think that's a good thing. That equates to a war of 7.3. He is a Hall of Famer, and he has got the, the goatee that most players wore at this point. So that will get you an 8.4. Wow. That's insane. That is a big number and will bring you up to 8.5. Man, I, I loved uh, when when the Braves and the Mets had their, their rivalry going on and he would play in New York. They just let him have it. <laughs> But he it's he named his I believe he named his daughter Shay after Shay Stadium. Really? Yeah. He he I, I should say one of his daughters. He's got a lot of kids. Uh, <laughs> Hooters. He's a big fan of Hooters and Yes. Who isn't? Co owner and co host of a television show, Major League Bow Hunter. Uh, I will take shows that I have zero interest in for a thousand, please. <laughs> Major League Bow Hunter. Hunter. Yes. I don't own a bow, let alone many bows, which would necessitate an entire rack. Uh, also, in 2008, oh, maybe you should get extra points for this, because in 2008, which is the year we're looking at, he released a charity wine called Chipper Chardonnay. I'm sorry, <laughs> Chipper Chardonnay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's excellent. All right. So you are at 8.5. Your next card is a guy that I believe is in jail currently. Uh, Oh, good. (laughs) Tell me if I'm wrong. Esteban Loiza. I think he was he the one that got busted for for uh, carrying drugs through an airport or something. Yeah. I mean, we'll find out. Let's see. Uh, Esteban Loiza. Wow, he pitched for 14 years in the big leagues. Uh, in 2008, it was his final year. Did not pitch a lot. Played in 10 games. Split time between the Dodgers and the White Sox. And all of that will equate to a war of minus 0.1. He does have a goatee. So that'll basically just wipe it out. You'll, you get that yeah. goatee house money there. He had some interesting uh, run-ins with the law himself. He was uh, caught exceeding 120 miles per hour in a Ferrari on an Oakland freeway. Yeah, and then uh, f- uh, subsequently failed a sobriety test. No. Uh, he was uh, he was the reason that Billy Bean banned alcohol in both clubhouses in Oakland. No kidding. Well, there you go. Yeah. More and, history. And then in uh, February of 2018... He was arrested with over 20 kilograms of cocaine. That is over 44 pounds of nose candy. Oh, the, the nose wow. clams. Wow. He was charged uh, charged with a lot. Three-year prison sentence. <laughs> My God. There are, there are minorities who get arrested for shoplifting that spend more time in prison than that. But, uh, all right. It's all about the money. We'll move on. All right, next, uh, you have got, oh, well, you've got Tony Pena. Tony Jalapena. Yeah, it's, nice. not the, it's not the catcher Tony Pena. 
Oh, bummer. <laughs> I think this might be his kid. Uh, here he is with the Royals. Uh, relatives, father of Francisco Pena and Tony Pena. So this Tony Pena played for four years. He came up with Atlanta and then played three in Kansas City. 2008, he was up for about half the year, appeared in 95 games. Yeah, OPS plus of seven, which is, you know, a lot higher than my OPS would be, no doubt. It's existing. That is a war of minus 1.8. Now, he does have sunglasses on, though. So you've got that. So that'll only be a minus 1.7. Yeah, that's terrible. Minus 1.7. Little yeah. help. Well, I mean, your wow. your Chipper Jones and your, uh, well, yeah, your Chipper Jones card was. Chipper's carrying the whole team right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next, you've got a guy. I swear this guy was still just like pitching like last year. I'm sure it's actually been a while. Here he is with the Cubs, John Lieber. Oh, yeah, Lieber did. I remember him with the Cubs mostly. Let's see. If you had to guess when John Lieber last pitched, when would it be? 08? Yeah, right on. Yes. <laughs> His final year, and it was with the Cubs, 405 ERA. Uh, that equates to an ERA plus of 113. So you shouldn't be too bad here. A point four. Uh, nothing in this okay. card. This is literally his headshot from uh, from picture day in spring training. It's it's just got the the bland background, and uh, yeah. But uh, you will get uh, what did I say on that? Point four out of that. So uh, making up a it's little a bit of that. Than Tony Payne. Nice negative one I had. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is a oh this is a a horizontal card. I remember this guy. This guy was hurt a lot, I believe. And he was one of those guys that had just a ton of potential. For Cleveland, it is Grady Sizemore. Yeah, I used to collect Grady Sizemore because it was. He was um, he was known, I believe, he was touted as a five-tool big-time prospect. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm fairly certain you are right on the money. I think he... He was one of those uh, guys that just couldn't stay healthy. He was a three-time All-Star, won two gold gloves, and a silver slugger. Uh, let's see, 2008, he was an All-Star. He was 25 years old. Slash 268, 374, 502 for an OPS plus of 133. He stole 38 bases, walked 98 times. That's wow. a good, this is a good year. I think you're going to do okay here. A 5.9 war. He was a 30-30? 33 home runs, 38 stolen bases. Yeah, 30-30. Wow. That uh, is not bad. That equates to a war of 5.9. Uh, nothing on go. this card is going to get you anything more, but the 5.9, That's uh, I'll take that all day. Absolutely. Uh, Grady is, is from uh, up in your neck of the woods. Uh, born in Seattle and went to went to high school in Everett. All right, your next card is a rookie card. Uh, I do not know of this guy. It doesn't mean anything, though. Ramon Troncoso of the Dodgers. You're making that up. I am 100% not. All right, I don't know who that is. I, I don't either, but we're going to look it up. Ramon and Troncoso. 
Uh, let's see. He played for five years in the big leagues. Four of it was with the Dodgers. 2008 was his rookie year. You know, not too bad. He was in the bullpen. Uh, didn't uh, didn't walk a lot. Struck out a good deal. An ERA plus of 99. So, I mean, he's an average player. His rookie year. His next year, an ERA plus of 147. But then Missed never... That one. Never could match that. In uh, 2008, that is a war of 0.2. And uh, there is nothing on this card that will get you anything. So that will get you uh, 0.2. That will bring you up to 13.3. So 13.3, you've got one card left. And this is a special Team USA card from the 2007 U.S. national team. It is second baseman Ryan Flaherty. Ryan Flaherty. So Ryan Flaherty uh, played quite a bit in the big leagues. He played for eight years, most of it with Baltimore. Whenever I hear Flaherty, I just think he's on the Cardinals. That's just like <laughs> that's where I go. My mind goes there too. That's funny. <laughs> uh, the six years in Baltimore, my he played everywhere in every position except for catcher. Uh, He did pitch once in 2016. Now, unfortunately for you, though, he did not make his major league debut until 2012. (laughs) Oops. Oh, well. Uh, His last year in the big leagues was 2019, so he might be kicking around in the minors still somewhere as we speak. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Let's see. Actually, nothing listed from 2020, so he might might uh, actually have, have hung it up. He is the brother-in-law of Nick Markakis as well. Huh. I think, didn't Nick Markakis just retire? I believe so, yep. That's All right, so that will wrap up your pack. 13.3, that's uh, it's not bad for eight cards. I feel vulnerable, Jeff. I feel very vulnerable. Yeah, I think that's beatable. Well, we'll have to see. I mean, I, again, I think I've got a relic here, and that's not going to help me. But your chipper card was really your chipper card was almost half of your entire score. So and a little, a little magic from Grady Sizemore, of all people. Yeah. All right. So let's open this and see what. what we got. Nope, no relic. That's weird. This was definitely thicker than, than the other one, but oh, no, no relic. You just never know. Yeah. All right. I'm going to start off. Oh, this guy was good. Good for the Reds. Brandon Phillips. Yeah, I remember Brandon Phillips was solid. Let's see. Brandon Phillips or P. Breezy. I like I like P. Breezy. That's a good one. P. Breezy. He last played in 2018. This is this is kind of fun getting cards for players that like just finished playing in a couple years ago. <laughs> Uh, let's see. In 2008, he was with the Reds. He won gold, a gold glove that year, so that's going to help your war right off the bat. Uh, slash 261, 312, 442. That's an OPS plus of 94. And that equates to a war of 3.0. So that is not bad at all. Nothing else on this card, though, is going to help me out. But I'm starting out with 3.0, so that's pretty good. Already chipped into my lead here. Yeah, that's that. Your your first card, I think, was was point one. So, <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Uh, Brandon Phillips was the first player in Major League history to record two three run home runs, seven RBIs, and two stolen bases in one game. That's not a bad. Nice that's game. not a bad week. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. In, in 2019, he signed with the Vallejo Admirals of the Pacific Association. That is just <laughs> like 20 minutes away from uh, from here. Then he went to you Mexico. Know, yeah. Go over there, hang out, and get him on the show. <laughs> well, I don't think he's there anymore <laughs> because he last played in 2020 for the Lexington Legends. Ooh. Oh, those legends. Yes. The Lexington ones. Yeah. He is married uh, to fitness model and professional wrestler Jade Cargill, who I am not familiar with. Uh, apparently, though, she wrestles uh, for AEW, All Elite Wrestling. So uh, apparently, and this is recent because she did something with Shaq. I think Shaq was just recently did something with AEW. All right. Um, Let's see. So I'm at 3.0. My next card is not Carter Caps. It's Matt Caps here with the Bucks. Let's see. Matt Caps. uh, He played for eight years uh, 2008 was right in the middle of a stint with pittsburgh he spent five years in the berg 49 games 302 era a era plus of 139 i'll take that and that equates to a war of 1.2 uh, nothing on this card though is going to get me anything else but 1.2 that'll bring me up to 4.2 after only two cards all right uh next is now, I, this guy's Canadian, and I think I know that because I think you mentioned him last week when you were talking about the uh, the award for the Canadian with the most fighting spirit uh, <laughs> in baseball. <laughs> I believe he also played for the Mariners for a short time. It's Lyle Overbay here with the Blue Jays. Yeah, I remember Overbay mostly as a Blue Jay. I remember him... Uh, I thought with the Mariners, but maybe I'm thinking of just I'm confusing him with Jason over, or Jason Bay. That's who I'm confusing him oh. with. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, and actually, Jason Bay is probably the Canadian because Lyle Overbay was born in Centralia, Washington. <laughs> <laughs> so I could not be more wrong. I could not be more wrong unless I ask somebody who played for all five California teams. Uh, let's see. <laughs> 2008 was uh, his, what, middle of the road with the Blue Jays. He played for five years there. He was age 31. Uh, slash 273, 58, 419 for an OPS plus of 109. And that equates to or of 2.6. Wow. Nothing else on this card, though, is going to get me anything. I think maybe we need a new set of rules if we're going to do cards from the 2000s because <laughs> our rules are definitely geared towards wax packs. But, uh, yeah, that'll bring me up to 6.8, and I feel like I'm rolling. Yeah, I'm, 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 in, I'm afraid. All right, next. Uh, but I, who was I talking about Ray Durham with recently? I don't know. if I don't remember if maybe we pulled his card last week. But uh, we've pulled it again, if that's the case. Here he is with the Giants, and he's got sunglasses on. Oh, he's got a sweatband with his jersey number on, and he's got a mustache. Sheesh, the trifecta. Yeah, so uh, that's a good start for me for Ray Durham. All right, so Ray Durham in 2008, it was his final year in the big leagues. He split it with the Giants and the Brewers. Not a bad year. 
let's see, slash 289, 380, 432 for an e, uh, OPS plus of 113. That equates to a war of 1.5. Plus, I got three tenths of a point for the additions. So that's uh, 1.8. And uh, that'll bring me up to 8.6. So uh, I've got f- four cards left, and I'm closing in. Yes. Oh, wow. This is, it's odd to see, you know, a couple years earlier, this card would have really probably done me well. Uh, this guy could not stay healthy when he was healthy. He was one of the, the biggest strikeout artists in the game. I believe he is now the pitching coach for, God, I want to say like the nationals or somebody. I'll have to look it up, but Mark Pryor here with yeah. the San Diego Padres, which is weird. That dude could bring it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Mark Pryor with the Cubs was just, when he could stay healthy, was absolutely yeah. dominant. And unfortunately for me, he never threw a pitch for the Padres. Ooh. He only appeared in the major leagues with the Cubs. Five years, all of it uh, in Wrigley. He had strikeouts of 147 in his rookie year, 245, and then 139, 188. Just couldn't. 30 was his highest games uh, in a single season. After that, it was before and after that, 19, 21, 27, and then 9. Just could not stay healthy to save his life. Well, I mean, okay, he's alive, so he, he did stay healthy enough to save his life. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, it's really too bad because he what a talent. Joined the Dodgers and became their pitching coach in 2020. So I'm going to assume he's oh. probably still there since they won the World Series. He probably is still there. So that's that's not going to get me anything. So I'm still at 8.6. Okay, here's another. I'm getting a lot of guys, you know, just past their prime. <laughs> Here he is with the Houston Astros, which just looks weird. Miggy, Miguel Tejata. I remember that was a very little short period of time. I was very excited to have him as an Astro because I thought he was fantastic as an athletic. Oh, he was as an athletic. Not, yes, as, he was. not as great with the Orioles. He's still pretty good with the Orioles. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of steroids had to do with that. Uh, Houston, he spent two years in Houston, 2008 being the first, where he led the well, he led the league in double plays grounded into five out of six years at one point. You gotta be proud. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see, not much to speak of this year, an OPS plus of only 92, uh, but still a war of 1.9. You still got a positive war out of this? Yeah, 1.9. He's got sunglasses on. Uh, He's got stirrups pulled up, but I can't see any sanitary, so I can't get get anything from that. So that will get me a two even of war and bring me up to 10.6 versus your 13.3. I've got two cards left. Boy. I have got a season highlights card similar to your Grady Sizemore. I think this one might help me quite a bit. Here he is with the Red Sox. It's Josh Beckett. Beckett with the Red Sox. Yeah, he, uh, that guy could throw hard too. (laughs) Put it mildly. Let's see. So Josh Beckett won two World Series, I think, 
uh, was one with Florida and then one with the Red Sox. Yeah, so he was on the 2003 Marlins squad and then the 2007 Red Sox. So he's got two rings uh, from that. He was also the World Series in the MVP with the uh, with the Red Sox. That was one year prior to this, though. In uh, two and that year, he led the league in wins with twenty. In two oh eight, he came down a little bit. Went twelve and ten. 403 ERA, still an ERA plus of 115. And that will equate to a war of 3.3. I'll take that because one, uh, that will give me the lead. Uh, Nothing else on this card is going to help me out. But that'll bump me up to 13.9. And I take the lead with one card left. We need a guy that had a rough season right here. <laughs> so uh, Beckett grew up idolizing fellow Texans, Nolan Ryan and Roger Clemens. Uh, Good choice on one of those. Yeah, <laughs> it's not bad. I mean, those are some he 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 really kind of reminds me of a Texan. I mean, he was a big guy through hard. Yeah. He also you know who also that's Sean Lowe, who who was our, our guest uh, a year or so ago. Just a big sure. Texan that could just rear back and throw. Uh, also, like most Texans, avid deer hunter. Ah. I'm sure it's only for self-protection. Uh, was uh, <laughs> apparently featured in a Kevin Fowler music video alongside John Lackey, Tim Wakefield, John Lester, and Clay Buckholtz. Uh, I am not familiar with Kevin uh, Fowler, but he's got hit songs including Pound Sign, and uh, wrote a song for Sammy Kershaw called Beer, Bait, and Ammo. Again, seems right up my alley. <laughs> yes, that's you, man. <laughs> wow, he, he got in a fight at a country bar. Uh, oh, result geez. of charging at a country band at a local bar in Texas. The singer, rece- or the, uh, the singer that he tackled received a torn rotator cuff and dislocated shoulder. Beckett was arrested for public intoxication. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but that's a baseball injury. I had, I had a torn rotator cuff, and I, I haven't played any baseball. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> All right, uh, my final card. This is a good card. I don't really remember him so much with the Cardinals. This guy was a great punter at the University of Nebraska. Unless I'm getting my my former angels mixed up. It's Troy Gloss. I liked Troy Gloss. He was solid. So let's look at his numbers before before we find out whether or not I'm remembering correct. (laughs) <laughs> where he went uh, if, if he was the if he was the the punter or not so uh, Troy Gloss uh, won a World Series with the Angels in uh, 2002 where he was the MVP 2008 was his first year in Toronto had a pretty good year slash 270 372 483 had 27 home runs 99 RBIs 87 walks an OPS plus of 125 and that equates to a war of 4.4. You had to throw it in my face, didn't yeah, you? you so win. Not yeah. only not only was this a win by five points exactly, but it was a big win. And I continue to, to inch closer to a possible comeback. 
So let's take a look here. I am obviously mixing this up because Troy Gloss went to UCLA. So he's clearly not the punter uh, that also played for the uh, for the uh, for the Angels. Maybe we should just make that the, the trivia question. You know, who was the the guy yeah, that the punted punter? for the University of <laughs> Nebraska? Uh, it was in fact Darren Erstad who was the punter. I'm ah. sure most of our listeners are yelling at their uh, podcast it's listening machines and saying, these guys are idiots. Why Why <laughs> am I listening to them talk about baseball history if they couldn't remember it was Darren Erstad? Come on, guys. Yeah. We we're, apologize. We're having clearly. a bad week. Bad week. All right. Well, there it is. Um, I have dominated again. With my back up against the wall, I've really been doing some work. I've cut your lead now to four. I only need to win five more in a row to keep you from <laughs> from clinching. But uh, there it is. Another episode of Wax Packs Heroes. All right. That's going to uh, start to wrap up the show. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody again for joining us. Uh, we really do appreciate it. If you want to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this, that always helps us help get the algorithm pointed in our direction. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, also, if you want to hear more from us during the week, you can find us on social media. We are at both, we are on both Twitter and Instagram at Two Strike Noise. That is at T W O Strike Noise. You can also find us on Twitch and on YouTube. And uh, I'll put all of these links in the show notes. Also, Mark, uh, we've also got an email that's in the show notes. If you want to tell them about that, if they can't read. Yeah, you can uh, send us an email. We would love to uh, communicate with you. You can reach us at two strike noise, spell it out, T-W-O, strike noise at gmail.com. I guess if they can't read, it might be hard to, to send an email, but nonetheless. <laughs> or to have understood what I just yeah, said. Record it, record a message and send us, have somebody send the message to us and and we'll, we'll listen to it. Just we're all, we're trying to be inclusive here. All right. Inclusive. <laughs> All right. That's going to wrap up the show. Uh, I know that uh, we will be back next week. I hope you will too. So we will see you again on another episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you all. God bless you. Have a great day.